my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Financial Heresy, where we talk about how money works so that you can make more keep more and give more. It is vital to understand the mechanics of how the economy works. Otherwise, you might be making financial decisions based off of false assumptions about what will happen next. Uh, For instance, today we are talking about how to know when inflation will stop. Uh, Because contrary to popular belief, inflation is not just something that spontaneously happens out of nowhere for no reason, there are actual mechanics behind it. And if there are mechanics behind what causes it to start, then there are also mechanics behind what will allow it to stop. And knowing whether inflation will continue, decelerate, stop, uh, turn over into deflation can be very helpful tools in making financial decisions about spending money, about using debt, about saving money, about purchasing investments, all of that. And so we are discussing today how to know how uh, in when inflation will end whether inflation will keep on going or not based on the mechanics. Uh, The proper terminology for what we are discussing today is called the Cantillon effect. This is named after a man named Richard Cantillon, and he was um, uh, he was alive during the 1700s during the Mississippi bubble. So what was the Mississippi bubble? 300 years ago in France, there was a man named John Law, and he convinced France to give him a central bank. So he started a bank and he got the charter. He got the, the license to be the central bank for the nation. And he said he was going to stimulate a lot of economic growth. 
in this position and he was going to spend a lot of money, Uh, but he was going to spend more money than the government actually had to spend. And so he came up with a plan. The first thing that he did was he had everybody turn in their gold and silver, but don't worry, you're not losing any money here, right? Like you never do. Like every time this happens throughout history, it always works out great for everybody. So give us your gold and silver and uh, I'm going to give you a paper, uh, a piece of paper money in its place. And don't worry, it has the same exact value. So uh, no worries at all. You got you got the same thing. You just have to give us your gold and silver. We'll give you the paper. Now, this paper money was backed up. It was uh, the value behind it was backed up by that gold and that silver that they confiscated from the nation. But it was also backed up by shares of the Mississippi Company. At this time, Mississippi and the land around it in the United States was owned uh, by the Mississippi Company, which John Law owned and controlled from France. And so the uh, uh, the value of the new currency in France was backed up by both gold and silver and land because the shares of the Mississippi company had value because of the land. Um, So then he started spending this paper money on different economic initiatives to try and drive economic growth in France. And it kind of worked for a little while. And then there were obviously, as there always are, unintended consequences where certain things started to get worse. And so he had to spend more and more paper money. Uh, But once you start to print more money to solve these economic problems, what happens to the value of that paper money? Well, it starts to go down. Because the price of something just communicates the value of something, uh, but the price is just information about the relative scarcity of one thing versus everything else. So if you look at the price of air, the price of air is zero because the relative scarcity of air versus everything else, it's absolutely abundant. Um, There is zero scarcity uh, relative to everything else. You can walk outside and you can breathe, breathable air pretty much anywhere on earth. Now, what happens when you go somewhere where breathable air is not abundant, where it is scarce? Well, then you have to pay for it. There's a price, right? When you go underwater, you go scuba diving. This is an example from Jeff Booth that I always use. Um, When you go underwater, there is no breathable air. Therefore, it is absolutely scarce because there's zero of it. So you have to bring some with you. So scuba gear costs you money. And so this is uh, this is an example of how the price of something communicates how abundant or scarce something is relative to everything else. Um, so beachside oceanfront real estate in a country with good rule of law um, in uh, in the, uh, the 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 proper latitude and altitude for really good weather. It only the, the only place that is is in Southern California. That that uh, that type of weather uh, and environment exists in a couple other places on Earth, and most of them are not, uh, you know, economically and legally speaking, as attractive as California being in the United States. And so the beachfront property there is extremely scarce. There is no more of it being made. You can't make more beachfront real estate. Um, And so the value of it is high. The price of it is high because it's extremely scarce relative to everything else. Um, And so these are two extreme examples, air versus beachfront property in California. Um, One thing is extremely abundant. One thing is extremely scarce. And so that's what the price communicates about it. When you start to increase the quantity of money, what happens to its scarcity? It goes down. It becomes more abundant. 
And so when we talk about prices, we normally are denominating our prices in our money. But the way that we talk about the value of money, we can't denominate that in the prices because then it's self-referential. And so when we talk about the value of money, what we're really saying is that the price of everything else goes up when the value of money goes down. So if money becomes extremely abundant, that means it takes more money to get the same stuff. That means the value of that money went down because the amount of stuff that you can get for it goes down. You need more money to get the same amount of stuff. So the value of that money goes down. So in France, back to France, uh, John Law started printing a bunch of paper currency and using that to uh, to finance his uh, economic uh, goals and plans. Well, obviously, what happens is that currency loses value because there's more and more and more paper money going around. So it loses its value and people need more and more and more of it to be able to afford stuff. So in order to stop the value of uh, of the currency from going down, one thing you could do is stop printing it. But clearly, this wasn't going to happen with John Law. He, he needed to print more of it to keep on spending money. So he thought of another scheme. <laughs> he thought of another scheme to try and keep the value of this currency up. This currency was backed by gold and silver, right? And so he could get more gold and silver because then it's, you know, it, it's still backed by the exact same amount. You're not backing the new currency with, uh, you know, the same amount of gold. You back that new currency with more gold and silver. But he already got all the gold and silver. So that was out. But there was a third thing that was backing up this currency, the Mississippi company. And so he realized it wasn't the actual land. It was the shares of the company that was backing up the, sh- the, the currency. So he printed extra money and he would use that to buy the shares of the Mississippi company on the open market to drive the price higher. Well, as the price of those shares went up, Well, that means that the value there backing up the currency also went up. And so there was less inflation that happened because the value of the currency was worth more, right? Well, not so fast because this would look like uh, a free lunch here. This would look like you could print value into existence and you can't. You can print money, but you can't print wealth. And so what happened was people started to realize that somebody was printing money to buy up shares of the uh, Mississippi company. So people started to sell these shares. So instead of people buying something as they watch the price go up and thinking it's a great deal, the fact that the price was going up artificially meant people decided to sell it because they knew they could sell it right now at a higher price than it was actually worth. Because if all that newly printed money wasn't coming in to bid up the price, the price would be a lot lower than it really uh, than it than it was right now. So that ironically gave people the incentive and the ability to sell because there was a money printer coming in and buying up the shares to try and drive the price higher. Um, one of these people was Richard Cantillon. He recognized the flow of money, how things work. And so he sold shares and uh, and then he used his money to buy what gold and silver. He recognized the currency was going to collapse. This little Ponzi scheme of printing money to drive up the shares couldn't last forever. And both were going to come crashing down and nobody would want either one anymore. So he got rid of them both and exchanged them for gold and silver. And he got wildly wealthy when everything collapsed. 
So the path that new money takes, this is called the Cantillon effect. Uh, Basically, in basic terms, new money hits the prices of assets first. Then it hits the prices of goods and services. Then it hits wages. This is the path that monetary policy hits when it goes through an economy. This is true of both inflation and deflation. And so when new money is printed and works its way throughout the economy, the first thing that happens is asset prices respond. The second thing that happens is the prices of goods and services respond. And then the third thing that lags the most is the prices of wages respond. Ironically, this is the exact same path that deflation takes. So if you have a bunch of money leave the system, the first thing that will fall in price is the price of assets. The second thing that will fall in price is the prices of goods and services. And the third thing that will fall in price is the price of wages. So if we look at a period of time where there was natural deflation, which is all of human history, actually, as technology and wealth increases and the money supply stays the same, prices of everything go down. Um, the Cantillon effect still exists. Asset prices first, then wages and, and services, or I'm sorry, then goods and services, and then finally wages. So when we look at a period of time where we have really good data from, historically speaking, while we also had natural deflation, a great period of time uh, to get this combination is about 1870 because it's after the Civil War through about 1910 because that's before the creation of the Federal Reserve. So during this period of time, we had deflation pretty much every single year. Prices went down. But guess what? The, 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 the real wealth, when you adjust for, uh, um, for the deflation, real wealth and real wages both went up. So this is how things worked. You'd get paid, you know, a hundred dollars. That'd be enough for you to survive. Let's say this month, you get paid a hundred bucks a month. That's enough for you to survive this month. Next month, you get paid a hundred bucks again, but guess what? Your, uh, your goods and services got just a tad bit cheaper. You only need $99 this month to be able to, to be able to live. So you spend your $99. You've got a dollar left over next month. You spend only $98. You've got $3 now because the extra dollar from last month and the extra $2 from this month. And so as time goes on, not only do you have extra money left over from your income, but also the prior savings go up in value because eventually you're going to save a hundred bucks and you're going to get up to a hundred bucks from your savings. And then you're going to realize, Hey, it doesn't actually take me a hundred dollars to live for a full month. It only takes me $95 to live for a full month. So your savings grow in purchasing power over time. Um, this is natural deflation. And this is what happened throughout that entire, you know, 60 year period or so is that prices went down. Wages did go down, but not as fast as prices going down because wages respond last. And so, yes, maybe you get a pay cut from $100 to $99 and then $98 and then $97. But before those pay cuts ever come around, your cost of living has already gone down. And so you've already been able to save while the prices were uh, were low before you got your pay cut. So this is natural, natural deflation that takes place uh, across time. And this is the Cantillon effect. This is that that's how it's described uh, is that uh, when the money supply changes relative to goods and services, the effect of it works its way unevenly 
and uh, uh, systematically through the economy and hits different areas first. And you can see how this would be a massive benefit for society, how the people who earn the least have the ability to continue to get ahead every year and how uh, how it works its way through and people who uh, earn wages earn more and more in real terms year after year and savings people who are able to save a little bit can grow the purchasing power of those savings um, how this would be a huge benefit for society and it doesn't matter if prices go down because wages respond last and so you want prices to go down this makes living easier for the people who are relying on wages to be able to live who are relying on a little bit of savings to be able to uh, to be this is it your moment this is your time to make your comeback with purdue global when you come back with a purdue global degree you create opportunity for yourself your family and your future it's a degree you can be proud of a degree that employers will trust and respect purdue global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals these include associate bachelor's master's and doctoral degrees and certificates Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. Oracle.com slash strategic. To live. 
And so the Cantillon effect works this way throughout inflation, throughout deflation, but it also works this way through inflation. And so if the money supply goes up relative to everything else, the first thing it does is hit asset prices, then goods and services, then wages. And so uh, what we're going to do now is look at how this how this unfolded over the last couple of years. Went into this briefly on my YouTube channel uh, recently. And so we're going to kind of take a deep dive here and look at the uh, look at the details. So in February and March of 2020, that's when the Federal Reserve started printing money extremely quickly. Uh, They printed a few trillion dollars just in those uh, uh, couple of months. Remember, this is March 2020. 2020 is when everything everything blew up. Now, if we take a look at, for instance, the stock market um, in February, it was about February 18th, I believe, was the top of the stock market in 2020. And it started to crash extremely rapidly and bottomed out on the 23rd of March of 2020. So in one month, um, there was a massive collapse. The S&P 500 fell down from peak to bottom about 35% in one month. The money printer turned on in March of 2020. Few trillion dollars printed just in those couple of months. The market bottomed in March of 2020. So the market bottomed when the money printer turned on. Subsequent to that, the stock market rallied from March of 2020 through December of 2021. So the stock market went up for over a year and a half. And there was a very quick rally in the stock market from that March of 2020 bottom through about August of 2020, through a couple of months, it it recovered everything that it lost from that one month drop. Now, if we look at what the money supply did, the money supply increased by the few trillion dollars in those first couple of months, and then it continued to increase until December of 2021. So from March of 2020 through December of 2021, the money supply continued to increase. From March of 2020 through December of 2021, the stock market also continued to increase. The exact same time frame from bottom to top of stock market was the exact same time frame from when the money printer fired up to when the money printer stopped. Again, the dates, March of 2020 through December of 2021. That is a time frame in which the money supply was expanding rapidly. It started in March of 2020 and it ended in December of 2021. Go look at the money supply. It's called M2. You can find it on the Federal Reserve's website, fred.stlouisfed.org, fred.stlouisfed.org. You can search for M2 money supply. You can see the money supply started increasing in March of 2020 and it stopped increasing and it has moved sideways since then, since December of 2021. That is the exact same time frame in which the stock market rallied. That's when it started its rally at the bottom of the crash. And that's when it ended its rally at the top of the rally. So asset prices respond immediately to the money supply. That's the first thing that happens. Now, you might be asking, okay, what happened uh, from December of 2021 until now? Money supply stopped increasing. It moved sideways. It did not increase at all. 
What happened to stocks? Well, they fell. As of the date of this recording, November 29th of 2022, the S&P 500 is down 17% from the top in December of last year, over the last year to right now, it is down about 17%. So you might think that that's odd, that when the money supply increases, the stock market increases, but when the money supply just stays the same, because in December of 2021, the money supply was $21.3 trillion. As of recording today, the money supply is $21.3 trillion. Exactly the same. However, the stock market has declined. I can explain that. It's very simple. Most people speculate on investments. Most people are not buying and only buying and holding for life. And so when you have people, money, buying something as an investment, as a speculation, they expect that it will go up in price. It will go up in value. That is why people buy it. What do you think will happen when it stops going up? Well, people will sell it. So if everything is, if the stock market is going up because there's more money entering the system, the money supply is going up. There's more money entering the system, more money to buy stocks, keeping prices going up. Well, then what would happen when, when the money stops growing? Well, now there's no more new money available to continue to push prices even higher. So the prices then at that point would just stop going up and start moving sideways. But because most investors are speculators and their only reason they're buying stocks is because stocks would go up, then who's going to hold on to stocks when they just stop going up and move sideways? Not as many people. That would mean that those people have no reason to own it anymore, so they will sell it. Because if it's not making them money anymore, I'm going to sell it and go try and find a different way to make money. So they sell it. What happens when all those previous buyers turn into sellers now? Well, now the price drops and the dropping price prompts even more sellers and so on and so forth. And so when you have the money supply increase stop and now the money supply stays the same, asset prices will actually drop. They won't just move sideways because the very fact that the asset prices are not going up anymore causes them to go down because nobody wants to hold them anymore. So we see that asset prices respond immediately to what the money supply does. Money supply goes up, asset prices go up. Money supply stops going up, asset prices go down immediately. March of 2020, December of 2021. You can see this clear as day. Now, what happens to the prices of goods and services? Well, they don't respond immediately. Remember, like I said, the money supply, this is the Cantillon effect. It hits asset prices first, and then goods and services respond after that. Well, how long of a lag? Let's go back and take a look. You can go and look at these exact same charts as me. We're going to the uh, BLS to look at the inflation numbers. And what you'll see is a chart. So the website that we're at, we're just Googling uh, CPI chart and you're looking for the one from the BLS. So the the URL is going to be BL, BL, BLS, Bureau of Labor Statistics, bls.gov slash charts uh, slash consumer price index, something like that. So that's the one that you're looking for when you Google this. What you'll see is we're going to look at a baseline for inflation. So I know these aren't 
actually accurate, but they're consistent uh, in terms of the way that they're measured recently in the past, you know, decade or so. Um, And so when we look at 2017 and 2018 and 2019, we're going to see an average inflation rate of two, two and a half percent, uh, sometimes a little lower than two percent, sometimes a little higher than two percent. So let's just say two percent from 2017 through 2019. And even if we go back further than that, uh, in the years of 2010, 2012, 2013, 2014, mostly it's around 2%. In 2011, it was a little higher. In 2015, it was a little bit lower. And so really for the last, over the last, the decade preceding COVID, it was, it was right around 2%, uh, the inflation rate officially. I'm not saying that that's the real rate of inflation. I know it's a lot higher than that for most people. Um, and so, uh, this is just the official numbers and they've been measured consistently at least during that time frame. So it doesn't matter if they're accurate. What matters is that they're consistent. So what happened then in 2020? Well, March of 2020 hits, they start printing a ton of money. Would you expect asset or prices of goods and services, the actual inflation rate, the CPI, would you expect that to react immediately? Most people would. But now we know due to the Cantillon effect, it doesn't happen immediately. Asset prices get hit immediately and there's a lag. So how much of a lag? Well, if we look at March of 2020, inflation was 1.5%. April, 0.3%. May, 0.1%. June, 0.6%. July, 1%. Uh, August, 1.3%. October, 1.2%. November, 1.2%. December, 1.4%. And I'm skipping some months here because the the mouse, I'm having a hard time hovering over the exact number here. So where do we have to go to even get back to baseline? We have to get all the way to March of 2021 to get to 2.6%. February was 1.7%. So March, 2.6%. So we had a drop in the inflation rate. And just to get back to even 2.6%, it took us a full year. We're already at March of 2021. And the inflation rate is still only at 2.6%, just back to what it was originally for the prior 10 years. So we've are we a year ago at this point we had printed trillions of dollars. Asset prices have already been on a year long bull run at this point. A year long bull run. Trillions of dollars and still a year later the CPI was still reading 2.6%. Now at this point it takes off like a rocket. We go to April 4.2%. Now remember we're in 2021 now. So this is over a year after COVID started, after the layoffs and the, I'm sorry, the the lockdowns and the the stimulus checks and the printing of the money and all the corruption and all that. So we're in April 2021 now, 4.2%. May, 5%. June, 5.4%. July, 5.4%. August, 5.3%. September, 5.4%. And then October, 6.2%. November, 6.8%. December, 7%. 2021. So if it was going to be exactly in line with the stock market, which it's not, we know that, but December of 2021 would have been the end of inflation, right? But no, keeps on, keeps on going. So January, seven and a half percent, March of this year, eight and a half percent. It peaked so far in June of this year at 9.1%. By June of this year, when the CPI, the cost of goods and services going up was peaking at 9%. 
the stock market had already been in a six month bear market at this point. So stocks have been going down for six months at this point when inflation is still peaking. Now, fast forward to the October numbers, because the November numbers aren't in yet as of the uh, time of this recording. October 2022, last month, inflation was 7.7%. At this point, the stock market in October of uh, 2022 um, was down a lot more than it is right now. At, um, at the bottom, it was down 26-27% from its top. And so uh, asset prices continued to fall as a result of being a year out almost from the money supply ceasing to increase. But that money is still working its way throughout the real economy, hitting goods and services. So what we see here is about a one year lag. Remember, the money printing started in March of 2020. The prices didn't even get back to normal until March of 2021. Then they started to skyrocket from there. And so when we see that the uh, inflation rate of goods and services has about a one year lag, where does that put us today? Well, let's go back to the money supply. When did the money supply stop increasing? It was December of 2021. The money supply in December of 2021 was twenty two and a half trillion dollars. Today, the money supply is $21.5 trillion. So the money supply has moved sideways since then. Now, does that mean that we're one month away? Because it's almost December. So does that mean we're one month away from inflation stopping? Probably not. But it does mean that within the next couple of months, I anticipate the inflation rate to come wildly crashing down, maybe not zero, but a lot lower than seven and eight percent. Why is that? There's not enough new money circulating around to continue to support higher and higher and higher prices. We are starting to see job layoffs. We are starting to see pay cuts. We are starting to see furloughs. We are starting to see discounts. We're starting to see inventory skyrocket. So all of the measures being used to measure prices are start are going to start to see year over year inflation come down because there's there hasn't been for almost a year now there has not been new money continually pouring in to support higher and higher prices the money supply has stayed the same and so when we measure prices right now versus a year ago because that's how inflation is measured is year over year we're going to start to see that prices are going to flatline now there are some things that prices have gone up in certainly still and will continue to go up in there are also some things that prices have started to go down in so on average the basket that's being measured for the cpi will very likely within the next month two months maybe three months start to show prices flatlining now you might look at the stock market and say okay well if we've got a year lag behind the stock market what the stock market does would we expect deflation then this is it your moment this is your time to make your comeback with purdue global when you come back with a purdue global degree you create opportunity for yourself your family and your future it's a degree you can be proud of a degree that employers will trust and respect 
Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Oh, it's such a clutch pickup, Dave. <laughs> I know, right? I was worried we'd bring back the same team. Oh, no, I meant those blackout motorized shades. MVP of the room. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. Even you could do it. Nice. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. What, you fly across the country to do the install? Nope. Blinds.com can do it all. All she had to do was pick what she wanted. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Look at you, Hall of Fame son. Oh, I just picked the winning team. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Oh, Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. He shoots. He scores. Go to Blinds.com for up to 45% off and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go right now for up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. Soon. Would we expect the prices of goods and services to start to crash here soon, just like the stock market crashed? And to that, I would say most likely no. Why is that? Well, stocks fall when they stop going up precisely because they stop going up. So you don't really have anybody who's buying stocks just to watch them stay the same. You have people buying stocks in anticipation that they go up in price. And so when the stocks stop going up in price, people start to sell them. But that doesn't really happen for goods and services. You don't want to have people <laughs> going to the grocery store, looking at eggs and thinking, well, man, eggs are not going up in price anymore. I guess I should go start a chicken farm and start selling eggs. <laughs> you don't have a mechanism by which goods and services will drop in price just simply from the phenomenon of them stopping going up in price. Whereas that does happen with stocks. And so for goods and services, the stuff that's being measured by the CPI, we have a very high likelihood that the inflation rate, the official measured inflation rate will come crashing down within the next couple of months. 
definitely, in my opinion, this is, you know, going out on a little bit of a limb. I would say by March, I would not be surprised at all to see a 0% inflation rating. I would not be surprised at all to see that. Now, we probably won't hit that low simply because there are some other things with, with supply chain issues, geopolitical issues, deglobalization going on. There are some other inflationary forces that are keeping some things that are measured uh, going up. However, I anticipate that the inflation rate will start to move down very rapidly over the next couple of months. Now, what does this mean for uh, for wages? Well, wages are still in many areas kind of catching up. There's still a little bit of a job churn thing going on. But in the places that are most quickly responding to um, uh, economic uh, changes happening, things like technology, especially some of the more bubbly areas, we're starting to see the reversal of that happen. We're seeing layoffs all over tech, uh, obviously crypto right now. Uh, we're seeing a lot of things like that take place where like and, and then with pl- places like uh, Amazon and FedEx, we're seeing uh, furloughs take place. We're seeing layoffs take place. We're seeing um, uh, people being asked to take pay cuts uh, in uh, certain areas in tech. And so we're seeing some areas that are kind of leading in the economy indicate that this wage price spiral of everything going up might be starting to reverse itself. Now, luckily, this takes a lot longer for that to happen than uh, than either assets or goods and services. And so people on on average will be able to continue to maintain their incomes enough to hopefully take advantage of some of the lower prices of, of things as prices come down. But here is the thing that I'm most concerned about. And the last thing that we're going to talk about today is the Fed's response to, to, to inflation coming down, because we know there's some economic pain all around. Households are hurting. Leverage is going up. Debt loads are going up. We're going to probably start to see more and more layoffs happen. Unemployment go up. So we know that there's going to be some economic pain. This is a result of the boom bust cycle, which is a result of the money printing. So my fear is that we are going to have inflation over the next couple of months crash back down to zero. January, February, CPI readings hit 1%. If that happens, the Federal Reserve is going to start running victory laps. They're going to start saying, we did our job. We achieved a soft landing. They're even going to be able to say, we did it without causing a recession, right? Because if you remember... They redefined what recession, how, how, what, what uh, the definition of a recession, because everybody always used to say that uh, two consecutive quarters of a decline in GDP counted as a recession. That means that basically the total price of the economy, everything in the economy added up all together. If that number goes down for two quarters in a row, so six months, then we call it a recession. Well, then that happened. And suddenly everybody in the media said, oh, well, that doesn't count as a recession because there's a there's a tight labor market because of the way that we're measuring the labor market. Uh, Let's be honest, Um, not because it's actually a tight labor market. And so when uh, when that happened, uh, everybody said, "Okay, yeah, no, no recession. Then we'll we'll, we'll still anticipate that there is a recession coming soon. But uh, yeah, no, no recession uh, right now. And so if in January, let's say I'm right, February, I'm right. And the inflation rate hits 1%. 
we're going to get Time Magazine People of the Year. We're going to get, uh, you know, uh, uh, Purple Hearts and <laughs> badges of honor and, uh, you know, all sorts of awards, uh, Nobel Prizes and uh, honorary degrees and, you know, every uh, every imaginable uh, honor and um, esteem that you can think of just thrown at everybody at the Federal Reserve. You did it. They did it. They centrally planned. They controlled an economy from the top down. They printed trillions of dollars, saved the economy from the crash and COVID. And then when inflation started to get, you know, rear its ugly head, they quickly got it under control and fixed everything. And we didn't even have anything uh, like a recession that we had to deal with. They achieved the soft landing. They did the impossible, what nobody thought they could. And everybody is going to be praising them for their infinite wisdom. Well, one of two things is going to happen at this point then. Either they're going to take uh, their foot off the brakes. They're going to stop raising rates. They're going to stop selling assets off their balance sheet. And they're just going to say, we're just going to let things chill and just hold off for a while here. At that point, the market will go bananas. Asset prices will start to explode. Everybody will think that we have, you know, achieved the impossible. Everybody will start spending again. Asset prices will explode. Debt will start to explode. And we're going to get ourselves right back into a brand new unsustainable bubble. Because remember, there's no more money coming into the system at this point. So prices explode, debt explodes, leverage explodes, and we set ourselves up for another major crash. The other thing that happens potentially is that the Fed does not take their foot off the brakes. And tightens a little bit more. Maybe for one more quarter, they raise rates a little bit at a time. Or they keep on selling assets off their balance sheet a little bit at a time. And if that happens, then first the market says, yay, we achieved a soft landing. Now the Fed can stop tightening. And then they don't stop tightening. Boom. Crash right away. Everything starts to crumble. If this path is what happens, then the Fed will be forced to pivot extremely quickly as things start to really crash more money printing and then we risk hyperinflation now that's kind of a, a another topic for uh, you know we've talked about before how uh, how hyperinflation happens in the economy um, two episodes ago from November 16th episode titled surviving and thriving in hyperinflation that is kind of the uh, the the game plan for how hyperinflation takes over in an economy and what people can do to survive and thrive during it but when you get to the point where within a couple of years after in increasing the money supply by 40 percent, um, you have to do it again. And then that's not enough. So you have to do it even more than you did last time. You really risk completely collapsing the value of the currency. This has happened time and time and time and time again throughout history where governments get a little bit too egotistical and print a little bit too much money and it's just enough to tip over to hyperinflation and then the currency collapses. Nobody wants it anymore, dumps it at all costs and all the power the government had in the world and in their country as a result of the monopoly on money evaporates overnight and disappears. Normally, new governments are set up in their place, new, at least new parties uh, come into power and it is a total game changer. Either way, my fear is how the Federal Reserve responds to uh, responds to inflation crashing down, which I think it will within the next couple of months They either respond to it by tipping us over into deflation 
or they respond to it by tipping us over into hyperinflation. Now, if they decide to do nothing, let's just hype, let's just take this one step further and say, what should they do? What should they do is absolutely nothing. They should get out of the game completely and stop messing with anything. Stop everything with their balance sheet. No more printing money. No more buying assets. Maybe they don't have to sell the assets off their balance sheet. That's fine. Um, but at least they can't roll it over. So as it matures, it has to roll off their balance sheet and their balance sheet declines as the debt matures that's on there. Um, with the uh, with the interest rates, set it and forget it. Whatever the interest rate is at, they're just never allowed to change it again. Or at the very least, they have to come up with a set of rules by which the interest rate changes because this is the Fed funds rate. So they don't directly control all the other interest rates. All the other interest rates are just set based off of uh, the the risk rate versus the federal funds rate. So generally, the federal funds rate is going to be the lowest interest rate in the economy and everything else is going to be higher than that, depending on the risk. And so that's generally going to be how it works. And so um, at the very even if they say, OK, you know, even if they don't say that they're never going to change it again, at least they have to come up with a set of rules and say, OK, for the next 20 years, this is exactly how interest rates will change. We cannot make up a decision other than just following these preset rules. Uh, because this is something about systems, complex systems, complex systems thrive on solid foundations. Um, and so it, the foundation of a system would be the set of rules that govern the system. So this is like the idea of the constitution. You have a rule, a set of unchanging rules that cannot be changed. Otherwise you have a rule of man rule of man means whoever's in power can make the laws. Rule of law means that here's the set of rules that cannot change regardless of who the ruler is that provides certainty and that 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 provides a static foundation that cannot move and is unchanging. And then that allows a dynamic system to live upon it. You cannot stand uh, uh, strongly on a foundation that is constantly shifting and moving underneath your feet. And so if you want to have a dynamic, thriving, alive system that works and grows, it has to be able to move and it has to be able to know that what it's standing on doesn't move so that it can move. It has to be able to predict with certainty the, the areas that are strong underneath it in order to build and predict for the future. And so with money, this would mean the rules of money absolutely do not change no matter what. And even if the rules are bad, this is key here to understand for the last couple of minutes. Even if the rule is bad, the unchanging nature of a bad rule means a better system can live on it than a set of rules that is objectively better, but constantly changing because you can't win at the game of chess if the rules are constantly changing. Even if every time you change the rules, it's like, oh, it gets better. Well, by what standard? The rules are there to pre provide a foundation that allows people to be good and businesses to be good and actions to be good. And so the rules that govern how money works should not change. This would provide predictability and certainty with being able to accurately judge how to make economic decisions going forward into the future. And you don't have to worry about when the next time is the money printer will fire up. You don't have to worry about when the next time that interest rates drop is. You will be able to make accurate financial decisions and planning about the financial future 
regardless of any person's opinions, because you know what the rules are and you know the rules aren't going to change. You know when the money supply will increase or decrease or interest rates will go up or down based on the preset rules that everybody can see. And so this is a system that would provide a dynamic, thriving, uh, growing economy on top of it is one that is predictable, one that is unchanging, governed by rules, not by rulers. This goes for political systems. This goes for economic systems and any system that is uh, categorized as complex instead of simple thrives when the rules governing it don't change. Like, for instance, the laws of physics. Imagine <laughs> if life could could exist <laughs> if the laws of physics were constantly changing. It, they couldn't exist. Uh, life couldn't. So uh, that is how monetary supply, or I'm sorry, monetary policy, the money supply uh, works its way throughout the economy. First assets, then goods and services, then wages. And based on the lag, we're probably about to see the inflation rate collapse over the next couple of months. The Fed start running victory laps. And that is when I will truly get scared when the Fed starts running victory laps and thinks they're smarter than they already think they are. As always, thank you so much for listening and we will see you on the next episode next week. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.